So just take the pressure off and buy a bottle of lube, one little squirt, you know, it takes all the pressure off, takes all the stigma out of it as well because you're using it and literally helps you glide into better, more fulfilling sex. Welcome to Intimacy Play, a podcast by Pleasy Play. We host open discussions with world-leading experts on couples, sex, and intimacy, so you can build a more exciting, fun, and intimate relationship. I'm your host, Michaela Silva. Hi, Annabelle. I'm so happy to meet you. So you're actually a sex, relationship, dating, and body language expert. It sounds like an awful lot when you list them off one by one, but yes, I tend to go for sex and relationship expert and everything else kind of falls under that umbrella. That's great. But what exactly does that mean? What does a sex and relationship expert do? So I um, I have qualifications in couples counselling and psychosexual therapy and life coaching, and I use those skills to help people have a happier and healthier sex life. Um, to have a really secure and and um, healthy relationship, both with their partner and if and with themselves, even if they don't have a partner. And my kind of goal in life is all about um, encouraging people and giving them the tools to have the happiest life inside and outside of the bedroom that they possibly can. I love that. So it's not just about sex. Uh, actually, what I understood from what you said is it's about intimacy. Yes, absolutely. Intimacy on several different levels, emotional intimacy, intellectual intimacy. The physical side, of course, is important, but there's so many other ways you can be intimate with someone. Can you give us a couple of examples, actually? that That's a great start. Yeah, exa- um, so for example, you can be... Um, we, we use this term twin flame a lot in, in couples counselling, and it's kind of like your soulmate but it doesn't necessarily need to have romantic links it's when you have a really deep connection with someone and and that connection is in its very essence what intimacy is about um so you can meet someone fall in love with their mind first and and who they are as a person and that is a different type of intimacy than just the physical act of um having sex with someone i feel it i mean when you were saying that i was literally thinking about my relationship with my husband Uh, which I'm so happy about. But how can everybody that's listening to us have that type of relationship? So how can they be more intimate? Well, intimacy is something that people think occurs really naturally because a lot of people associate intimacy with being naked with someone, um, which is a a type of intimacy. And I don't want to downcry that, but it's the easiest type of intimacy to get. Uh, Having a deeper connection with someone and being intimate with them on an emotional level is actually really hard to 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 get to because it takes so much time um, and energy and um, lots of understanding and it's a a very long road for a lot of people and um, it can be a little bit daunting so for me intimacy starts with conversation with communication um, and that is really your first stepping stone into having a, a truly intimate connection with someone makes perfect sense communication I think is definitely the basis out of a relationship um, do you think that communicating even about sex can be interesting? I was I was thinking about the Cosmopolitan article that you wrote a uh, very short while ago that details 28 different erogenous zones uh, that most people uh, don't even know. Do you think that even communicating about that is interesting? I think it can be really difficult for a lot of people because uh, like culturally talking about sex is one thing and doing it is, is quite another 
um, we tend to slip into the physical side of it rather than the emotional side of it um, easier. So talking about you know what works for you and what doesn't work for you can be really difficult for some people. In fact, for a lot of people, most of the couples I counsel have issues within their own sexuality, not as in how do I identify, but how do I communicate what works for me and how do I get satisfaction from this side of my relationship? So communication when it comes to sex is, is really difficult, but experimentation can actually help you communicate without you physically or verbally having to say the words. So if you're with your partner, you know, you can try new things without actually having to have, you know, the awkward conversation of, can we do it this way or can we not do it that way? So you, you kind of release yourself and your partner from any blame so blame is quite toxic in a sexual relationship. No one wants to be told they're not good at sex. So we try and do that kind of positive reinforcement. And that sounds very much like we're training a dog. Um, it's not, it works wonders for couples. Um, you know, being told you're good at something or being told that you are pleasing your partner um, really helps to boost your ego, your confidence. And that helps to, you know, help you to perform better in the bedroom for them and for yourself as well. I totally understand. So a specific suggestion that you say is to uh, reinforce something that you like. And for other couples that, you know, maybe haven't gotten to the point where they're actually wanting to try new things, but they haven't been able to communicate that. Do you think that reading an article like the one that you uh, wrote can be interesting, you know, saying, hmm, you've never tried this, you know, Annabelle is saying it's not me. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's all about that blame thing again. So you can you can switch the blame. This person, this third party, this person has, who has nothing to do with our relationship is suggesting this. Why don't we try it? And if it doesn't work out, then you, you don't have to shoulder any of that blame yourself. You can quite happily say, no, that wasn't for me. Or you might find, you know, your new favourite thing just through experimentation um, from, from something like that. I always recommend uh, like reading romance novels or erotic fiction um, just because they can have the most amazing sexual suggestions within the storyline. And then if you read something and you, th and, you know, if you're reading it and you think, oh, actually, this, this could work for me, then you've got a safe way of suggesting it with your partner without any kind of ramifications of if they really don't want to do it, they can read it and go, actually, no, that's not for me. So was that one of the objectives of the book that you wrote as well? Yeah, it really was. I um, I tried to be as creative and diverse in the sexual scenarios within the book so that um, one of the kind of happy benefits of reading the book would be someone might take, you know, something away from it that would then help them with, with their own sex life, whether that's, you know, sex with themselves or sex with a partner. Um, I do think, you know, masturbation is the key to a happy and healthy sex life in much the same way as Lyme is to a good gin and tonic. I love it. And where can people find your book? Uh, I mean, I think it's available. Uh, so The Endless uh, Autumn is available in Amazon. Am I correct? You can order it into most bookstores um, or you can buy it direct from Austin McCauley's website, which is the publisher and it's available at Waterstones as well. Um, and uh, actually yesterday, my new book became available for pre-order. So you have um, the opportunity to buy um, Chasing Clouds, which will be out for the 8th of February next year in time for Valentine's Day. That's great news. Is this, uh, is this book related to the first one or is it a totally different novel? A separate story. Um, it, I, I had the idea for this story a long, long time ago, um, but I wasn't very confident in writing it. It, it um, 
it was a little bit more kind of story driven and character driven. Um, so it does take a little step back from the sex side of things. I would say this is more of a romance novel, kind of women's fiction, chiclet that they like to call it, um, rather than being an erotic fiction out and out. But I really wanted to write it. And when The End of the Sortum did quite well, I thought it kind of gave me the confidence to, to try this story. So it did take me a really long time to write. Um, but it is finally going to be available. So if you want to have a sexy night tonight, I would say The Endless Autumn. If you want to have a really good book to read, pre-order your book for uh, February. Yeah. Perfect. Makes, makes total sense. Um, going back a little bit to the uh, erogenous zones in the article that I was, that I was reading, um, preparing for our interview, something that, that really jumped out to me was there are a lot of unusual areas that you mentioned. And actually, when I was reading them, one of the things that I discovered uh, that you mentioned and actually have is the head massage. So for me, it's not really like a sexual pleasure, but it, it does bring me a lot of pleasure and relaxation. Absolutely. And, that, and that's the key is that erogenous zones don't have to be outright about sex. They're about feeling good. Um, and when you feel good, you have this wonderful chemical release of feel good chemicals called oxytocin you get endorphins running and you feel it's just a, a very positive experience and the better you feel kind of about yourself and in your own skin the sexier you tend to feel so it has a, a knock-on effect like dominoes. Is there any erogenous zones that you have discovered on yourself that you know you could share and that people might have not tried? Well I put most of them in the article uh, to be honest so head over to Cosmopolitan and um, but I really enjoy soft strokes and I think for a lot of people it kind of erogenous zones are any part of the body where your partner and you are connected in that moment and you know it builds positive anticipation so if you have kind of a sexual scenario or sexual experience that is on the cards anything like that will help you feel so much better um, and the reason soft strokes are really good I'll just do a little demonstration light <laughs> pressure and that can be anywhere on the body is because what happens when you gently stroke the skin is you get a reaction whereby blood is encouraged to the surface of the skin. And that actually makes you more responsive to your partner's touch or to your touch. So sexy sensations feel far more sensual if you've prepped the skin by giving it a gentle stroke or a little massage beforehand. So when you're talking about that, it makes me um, feel that if you try new things, as in discovering new erogenous zones, that might actually lead to more sex. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. Like the, uh, it's. I mean, more sex isn't necessarily everyone's goal. It, it's kind of better sex within the the you know amount of times you're comfortable and happy with. So definitely experimenting with erogenous zones can contribute to you know you experiencing more satisfying sexual experiences with your partner. And um, I would always say experiment with erogenous zones because everyone has different erogenous zones. I, I don't like the idea of kind of trying to shoehorn or put people in a box and say, right, there are seven erogenous zones. They are these, this, this, and this. Because while it might work for the majority of people, there's always going to be people that go, that doesn't work for me. And then that reinforces the negativity of, oh, you know, am I broken? Why doesn't this work for me? What's wrong with our, our relationship? And the answer is, no, you're not broken. Nothing's wrong. You just have a different set of erogenous zones. Have fun finding them out. I love how you corrected actually what I said, which is not more sex, but better sex. Because there's like an expectation for people to have, I don't know, four times a week sex or 
to have more sex than anyone else uh, from their group of friends. But that doesn't make sense. Competitive element is actually quite toxic um, because it makes sex about something else than connecting with your partner or having a good time with your partner. It turns it into, you know, uh, leveling up and one-upmanship, uh, which isn't sexy at all. And if all you've got in your head is I have to do this, so I, I, I you know, I'm having more sex, which means I'm better, I'm having better sex. It, it kind of is a, like a toxic circle and it, it ends up being very negative. So in thinking about having better sex, uh, do you think that sex toys help? I know that you are the resident expert at Love Honey and that you actually have uh, a sex toy uh, line that you have created. Yeah, so I worked really closely with Love Honey to create the Annabelle Knight collection. And we've actually just added four new toys um, to the range, which I'm really excited about because they're, they're getting people, we sent them out to... Um, reviewers beforehand to get feedback you know make any changes if they're if they're not quite right and they were really like kind of welcomed uh, in a really positive way so I was super happy about that because you, you always get a little bit nervous with any, anyone in any line of work where you create something and put it out there um, there's definitely a lot of nerves surrounding that to make sure it's you know good and and you've done a good job um, but yeah I've worked with Love Honey for over 10 years now um, and we've got a really good relationship I love I love Love Honey, they're brilliant. They've helped so many couples and they've really helped to give me a platform to be able to do the same. That makes that makes total sense. Um, what I was thinking here is that, I mean, sex toys do help, you know, a couple be uh, more intimate and have better sex. But how could one member of the couple introduce a sex toy if they have a less adventurous uh, partner? So that's a really interesting question. Um, and it is highly dependent on the, the couple and the person um, the, the less adventurous one I would suggest maybe shopping online together make it an inclusive experience um, I see a lot of people um, in my field of work that say oh well buy it as a present and then you know that that's great here's a gift who doesn't like getting gifts people that tends not to work particularly well if someone is less adventurous because they feel like it's been forced upon them and you've also got the added you know expectation of of welcoming the present as well as the um, expectation that they're going to enjoy it so it's not I would never say buy something and surprise them um, unless you know your partner exceptionally well and they they would like that I would say make it an inclusive experience take small steps there are um, a lot of beginners toys out there that are kind of non-anatomically correct or brightly colored um, especially at Love Honey they do so much research into making toys appropriate for different user levels um, they have a great range called the basics range which is cheap and cheerful uh, gives great pleasure it just is not gonna you know if if you buy a sex toy from the basics range and it's not something you like and you never use it again you're not gonna regret buying it because it has it won't have cost you a lot of money it will it, it's um definitely a range that I would say if you are unsure about whether or not you want to commit to sex toys maybe start with something like that um, also, the, the idea of making it an inclusive experience and shopping together means that you get to witness and experience your partner's boundaries firsthand in a really safe and secure environment because, you know, there's nothing harmful on a computer screen. And, and also, it's a bit funny, you know, when you have first start shopping for sex toys, every single person has a little giggle at one or another toy. And that in itself can be high, a highly bonding experience. So, you know, make it fun, 
take the pressure off. And if at the end of the shopping experience you have nothing in your basket, don't worry about it. Um, you know, unless you are absolutely hell bent on using sex toys, you don't need them to have great sex. I think they offer variety and variety leads to um, kind of better sexual experiences or broadens your sexual horizons. So if that's something you're after, then sex toys can certainly offer that. So if you were to choose two favorite sex toys to uh, advise, what would you choose? Uh, so I would choose a vibrating love ring to start with. So um, lots of people see uh, vibrating love rings and think, you know, straight sex, there has to be a penis and a vagina in the equation, but they're actually really good regardless. Um, you know, they provide pleasure for anyone with a penis. And if you don't, if there's two vaginas in the scenario, you can attach a vibrating love ring to a static sex toy and turn it into a vibrator. So like Pimp My Ride, but for sex toys. So they're a really good all round toy. And then the other isn't so much a toy, it's more of a product and it's lubricant. Um, lots of people shy away from lube because they think, you know, if you have a vagina, oh, this should be wet enough for sex. And if it's not, then it's a problem with me that I need to fix. Um, or if you're, you know, on the other side of the equation and the vagina you're trying to make wet isn't wet, they think, oh, well, I'm not doing a good enough job. But the matter of fact is, our bodies don't always work in the way we want them to. And quite often they work, almost work against us, especially if you're a little bit stressed with work, with family, you know, money, all the things that can be buzzing around in your head have a negative effect on your body. So just take the pressure off and buy a bottle of lube, one little squirt and you're in it, you know, it takes all the pressure off, takes all the stigma out of it as well because you're using it and literally helps you glide into better, more fulfilling sex. I love what you said, which is take the pressure off. I don't think there should be so much pressure. I mean, couples should, should try things. They can see if they like it or if they don't like and simply, you know, move on. And, you know, if there are sex toys, if there are lubricants available, then people should try it. It's, it's not a matter of working or not working. It's, it's just having more fun with your own body. Yeah, absolutely. And the goal of sex is to have fun. Like for the 99.999 reoccurring percent of the time you have sex, it is to have a nice time. So if there are things out there that can help you have a nicer time, it, for me, it's a natural extension to, to explore, to promote people exploring. I actually think we learn a lot uh, during the years, even with the same partner. Uh, what interesting things have you, have you learned uh, since you started hosting the Good Girls Guide to Kinky Sex on Channel 5? Oh, wow. So I loved recording that show. Um, I, I don't think of myself as a fetish expert or a kink expert in any way. I'm obviously very aware and I write about it, but it's not my like sole area of expertise. So when I went into the show, I was a little bit like, Oh, what am I, what am I going to find out? What am I going to learn? And the, the main thing I learned is that people are a lot more kinky than, than you think. When I, when we showed a lot of the couples, the sex toys, I was expecting, you know, massive reactions or like shock, horror. Oh my goodness. And a lot of them were very much like, okay, yeah, let's try this. This, this is great. So I think there is a, a kind of a subtle enthusiasm for kink that isn't shown in, you know, the wider public sphere. Um, and I found that really exciting. So do you think that people shy away of saying, you know, they like kinky sex? Or what does actually kinky sex mean? Well, the, the term kink means a, a, a bend, if you like. So if you imagine that um, kind of vanilla safe um, 
normal in inverted commas sex is a line the kink is bending away from that so you're curving away from what is um, considered to be normal and venturing into the more taboo and that kink can be anything for anyone depending on you know what what it is you find erotic um, and how long kind of you've been into the the kinky lifestyle because you can progressively get more kinkier as time goes on so kinky sex can be you know anything from using a blindfold and satin restraints to having someone completely hogtied and using you know sex devices on them it, it really does depend on the individual in question so it shouldn't really be that taboo because you know everybody's different so deviating from the norm is there actually a norm do you know that's such an interesting question because the the answer is no there isn't a norm everyone's normal is different and i think that's what when when we say normal sex we mean for you as an as an individual or as a couple and we call that your signature sexual style so whatever is you know the bar for you and your partner that's the norm uh, and then kink varies away from that now that we're talking about taboo we actually had a reader um actually a listener i mean uh send us a question an anonymous question and she really wanted the answer uh, of um female ejaculation can you tell us a little bit more about female ejaculation so what is it how can it how can it happen should should women really try to achieve this or is this something that's has normal has anything else so female ejaculation is really commonly known as squirting in the industry and it is where fluid is emitted um sometimes with quite a lot of pressure that gives you you know that waterfall scene in porn that um people often see um it actually happens quite a lot and it's through stimulation of the g spot which is in scientific terms called your skeins gland and that produces a liquid. There's lots of different they've tested the liquid and there's lots of different chemicals in there um, including a tiny little streak of urine if um, you, you know if you read upon it. And basically it can happen at any time to any woman without them even noticing really it, it can be anything from kind of a, a teaspoon of liquid to to the gushing scenes that we talk about or we see in porn and um, if you are looking to learn how to squirt there's lots of information online but i would wholeheartedly recommend a specific sex toy a g-spot sex toy um, they are specially curved and they're rigid so you can apply the right amount of pressure and they have quite a long handle because everyone's different your g-spot isn't set in stone as to where it is and um, so you can experiment with the toy and um, find different angles different ways of pushing it against your g-spot um, and and that is really it it's stimulating that skeins gland your g-spot up until the point of, of female ejaculation it's almost like a, an orgasm in a, in a different um, kind of sphere now locating your g-spot can be tricky as i said not everyone is the same Um, but what you're looking for is inside your vagina, if you on the front wall where your belly button is, about a couple of inches up, you'll feel a change in texture. And it's normally about the size of an almond. Um, you're, so you're looking for like a, you'll, you'll, you'll be able to feel it. So what is normal in there then becomes a little rougher. And the best way you can find it is through using a sex toy because 
if you stimulate that area, it becomes engorged and it becomes easier to find. So it gets bigger when, when you're sexually aroused. So that's why masturbation is so key if you're looking to locate your G-spot. Perfect. You've given, you've given so many key points and, and things for people to try, which I think is absolutely amazing. And should people be looking to try squirting? I mean, is this an experience that gives more pleasure or is this just another type of pleasure? So it's a different type of pleasure. And for some women, they do it without even noticing. And they will say, you know, it's barely, um, it barely shows on their pleasure radar. Um, whereas other women get a lot of pleasure from it, not just from the physical sense of, of the release of fluid, but from the mental idea of they have done something that is, you know, in for a lot of people quite tricky to achieve. I, again, if it's something you want to do, definitely try it, but do not beat yourself up if you can't do it. We are not you know, push button machines. It's not one size fits all. It's all about um, really what feels good for you. And if putting a lot of stress on yourself and pressure on yourself to do this one thing it is your focus, that it won't feel good for you. Um, and you just get very stressed about it. And again, we talk about that toxic circular um, action within sex, which is doing something for someone else because you think you should rather than because you really would like the experience for yourself. Yes, taking the pressure out. I like that. And, um, you know, talking about pressure and about pleasure and orgasms, a lot of women feel that they have failed, you know, inverted comma, if they don't achieve orgasm within intercourse. But um, I think that's actually quite common. That's maybe a lot of most women don't achieve orgasm uh, during intercourse but actually with clitoral stimulation. I would love it if you could, you know, take out this, this stigma and let women just enjoy, women and men, by the way, but enjoy sex in a way that it doesn't matter really where, uh, where and how you achieve an orgasm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think the obsession with orgasm is, um, is really damaging to sex lives across the globe. Having an orgasm is seen as, you know, the pinnacle of sex for women. It's, this explosion of amazingness. And for men, if they give a woman an orgasm, they've really achieved something. Um, and again, it's it's almost putting that kind of competitive nature, like pitting yourself against yourself. Um, in sex and relationship therapy, we talk about, instead of focusing on orgasm, focus on desire, pleasure, eroticism, and satisfaction. And if you work on those four pillars, you'll have a really, really contented and, and satisfactory sex life. Whereas if you focus on orgasm and you don't achieve it, you know, it puts a strike through that experience as being a bad one, which it isn't. It's about pleasure. It's about feeling good in the moment. And the top and bottom of it is you don't actually need to climax to have a great time with your partner. And not climaxing is no bad mark against them. It's no bad mark against you. It just didn't happen for you that time. And a lot of people report the second they take the pressure off and sex becomes about connecting with their partner rather than just getting to the end point of orgasm they actually have a much better time and end up orgasming anyway so it taking the pressure off really helps yes completely i mean uh actually one of i was reading an article the other day that said that one of the things that actually hinders women from having an orgasm is thinking the whole time i want to have an orgasm i want to have an orgasm because you're thinking about this end point instead of being present in the moment and by doing that, you're blocking the pleasure receptors into actually feeling what's happening to you because you're distracted. So it's great sex really is all about being present in the moment, 
and doing what feels good for you and for your partner and just communication as the, as the overall umbrella. Talking about communication and taking the pressure off uh, on a totally different subject, I know you have a concept that you call micro-cheating. So could you expand a little bit about what micro-cheating is? So micro-cheating is um, nothing big, no, you know, texting someone else or, um, you know, starting an affair with someone else or being unfaithful. It's living vicariously through social media to the detriment of your relationship. So micro-cheating might be, um, you know, it can be different for everyone. It can be um, messaging someone or commenting on their posts and it can be as little as just liking their posts. Um, if I, I feel very strongly that micro cheating is a, a real damaging factor for a lot of, especially younger couples or couples that perhaps live in a very social media based way. Um, I would always recommend if you have, if you've seen something on, I don't know, your partner's Instagram or, or their Snapchat or whatever that you don't like, you address it in the here and now and you don't leave it uh, to fester. And um, because quite often, these micro cheats are so innocent. You know yourself, it's so easy just to tap a photo and you've liked it and it means nothing in the moment to you, but it could mean something to your partner. So again, and I talk about it all the time, but communicate with your partner if there is absolutely anything that happens that no matter how big or small you feel it might be, talk to them about it. So not making a big deal out of things that could turn into a big deal if you don't communicate. Yeah, absolutely. The, things like that snowball. And a lot of people don't have the very, very, very niche skill set that is required in terms of communication to l let those little things go or to talk about them like in the here and now. If you let it snowball, it then becomes an entirely different monster. And it's really difficult. I think of it as a ball of yarn. So when it's a tiny little knot, it's easy to undo. But if that ball gets bigger and bigger and bigger and knottier and knottier and knottier, it's really hard to unpick that and unfurl it. So you've just got, you know, a nice piece of string again. If you let it get to a point where it's hard to undo, it's really damaging to your relationship. So confront or, well, confront might be a little bit harsh, but talk to your partner about any issues, no matter how small you think they might be, when they arise so that they don't become the giant, scary, knotted ball of wool. But how do you know where to draw the line? So if you're in a relationship and something, you know, something is always anno annoying you, or again, that's maybe not, that's maybe not the right wording, but something that you're, you're not enjoying that your partner maybe likes too many, uh, does too many likes on somebody else's pictures. So what's the line here? Is it really okay for somebody to be always be talking about stuff that they don't like? Or should people also think a little bit about how that um, really hinders the relationship. Yeah, absolutely. So the, the, I always like to think that there are no lines um, within a relationship. You should be able to talk to your partner about anything, um, like I said before, no matter how big or small. But there is, uh, you know, boundaries when it comes to how often you talk about it. If you have approached it with your partner and they have ignored your concerns and continued with the behaviour, then that problem is no, it's no longer about what it initially was. It's then about the lack of respect for the other person. Or it could be that, you know, they think that that person is being silly and that it's really unnecessary. But if that is the case, then that should be communicated. So it, it's so easy to see how relationships get into trouble when 
both partners are not entirely on the same page. Talking here a little bit about about you know communicating and about uh, how life gets on and even COVID and quarantine. There was a question in Ask Annabelle's uh, in your website that really drew my attention, which where you stated uh, life gets gets busy and sometimes sex takes a backseat. So I would love if you could give us some pointers on how to stop this and bring back the honeymoon period. So it's really simple and it's not very sexy. Put it in your diary. Set some time aside where you and your partner, and it doesn't have to necessarily be about sex, but it does have to be about reconnecting. So for me, good sex and regular sex or sex you're happy with comes from a, a happy relationship. And if you are neglecting your relationship in any way, that will have a knock-on effect to your sex life. So set time aside for your partner. Um, you know, put it in your diary and make a commitment to them that for one hour or two hours or however much time you have free, you are going to be together. You're going to be present. You will ban technology for this time because it's very easy to just pick up your phone if it buzzes. And it's very difficult to resist. And you will spend time committed to one another And it can be anything from, you know, talking about what's happened in your week to just closing the door and getting straight down to it. It's, it's entirely up to you what happens in that time. But definitely set time aside a plan for committed one-on-one -on -one time where connection is the main goal. At Pleasey Play, we send challenges to the couples so that it does help couples, you know, have that time uh, for them. Do you think it helps to have an external um, service that not only tells you to set the time, but maybe gives you the mood, you know, try something new or use this toy. Definitely. I like, um, so quite often I, I'll say to my couples, you know, get a jar, write down five, 10 things you would like to do with your partner, put them in the jar and then just, just pull one out. Having almost like, um, not a God, but like so having that taken out of your hands is really helpful for a lot of people because so many people don't like to make decisions and oh I don't mind what do you want to do and that's completely natural human behavior so by having an entity make the decisions for you you get a lot more direction and focus and that can be hugely rewarding. Annabelle you've given us so many good advices so I'll just summarize them here so first of all and please do correct me if uh, if I miss any of them So first of all is communicate. Communicate a lot with your partner. You'll have not only better sex, but a better relationship. Mm -hmm. Try sex toys if you feel like, like you want to. That will also enable communication and try new things. And above all, don't, pull, don't put a lot of pressure in orgasm or in, in an end goal and enjoy the ride. Couldn't have put it any better myself. Enjoy the ride. That is amazing. So where can everybody uh, follow you and, fi and find you to get all of these great advices? Uh, so I am on Instagram, just Annabelle Knight. I'm on Twitter, Miss Bell Knight. And if you um, really want to know everything I'm up to, then my website is annabellenight.com. And uh, please do go there because I've, I've found some of the Ask Annabelle questions absolutely amazing and give so many interesting feedbacks on very specific things but that when you read them, it makes total sense. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much for being with us, Annabelle. Uh, it was a pleasure and I've learned so much. Thank you for having me. And that was Intimacy Play. To find out more about Pleasy Play and how we can take your relationship to the next level, visit pleasyplay.com. 
And then make sure to search for Intimacy Play in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts, or anywhere else podcasts are found, and click subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. On behalf of the team here at Pleasy Play, thanks for listening.